you might have heard traditional marketing referred to as interruption marketing. You might be watching a TV programme, for instance, and just as the action gets exciting, the ad break kicks in, thus interrupting your enjoyment of the show. Banner adverts on websites also count as interruptions. Content marketing is different. It's about producing helpful stuff, possibly blogs, audios, videos, infographics and other material that people actually look for. Both interruption marketing and content marketing aim to generate sales, but the latter is a consequence of the digital world where potential customers go looking for answers. My guest today is a content marketing champion, having worked with many financial services businesses, helping them to develop content marketing strategies. Hear Richard's advice on how to develop a content marketing strategy. Listen to how you can create customer personas, then go and listen to their needs, and then produce content that could attract them to do business with you. That's all right here in episode 32 of the Marketing, Protection and Finance podcast. Welcome. You're listening to the podcast for providers and advisors looking to share business ideas and inspiration in the world of protection and finance. For each episode, you can find the show notes and links to things we talked about at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF. So let's get on with the show and here's your host, Roger Edwards. So I'm delighted to introduce you to my guest today and he is Richard Taylor. Richard is an independent digital marketing consultant specialising in content and marketing automation and social media. I've worked with Richard for many years and he's been partly responsible for my continued interest in content marketing and social media development. A little known fact about Richard is that he used to make windsurfers and is now a keen sea kayaker. So Richard, welcome to the Empath Podcast. Thanks Roger, looking forward to this. How are you today? I'm good, nice day. It's, uh, it's actually nice to be sat with you in your own kitchen. Yeah, it's a bit more relaxing, isn't it? I uh-huh. um, usually do the Empath podcast over Skype, but today, as we live relatively close to each other, I thought it'd be quite nice to drive out to Gifford Absolutely. and see you. Oh, so, Richard, before we get started and start exploring a little bit about content marketing and social media and how the financial services industry perhaps needs to embrace that more, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself, where you come from, what your ambitions are, and basically what makes you tick. Okay, well, I've always been in marketing and I've worked in both uh, companies and in agencies over the, about the last 25 years, but I specifically got interested in digital around the mid-1990s when the internet started. So that's really when I kind of changed from, I would describe as traditional marketing into more, um, um, you know, sort of from traditional marketing to digital marketing and uh, really sort of um, uh, followed that instinct. And it's been an interesting journey as, you know, the early days of the internet when we just had quite static um, brochureware websites to nowadays where we have the convergence of broadband big data, smartphones, social media, um, it makes it a far more interesting and challenging environment. So that's kind of my, uh, that's my background. And I think uh, the fact that I do enjoy change, I do like new challenges, digital has been good for me. And do you think 
the companies that you've talked to, and, and of course we work very closely together at Bright Grey and Scottish Provident um, up until a few years ago, do you think that financial product providers in the UK are embracing digital technology to the maximum? No, I don't think they're there yet. I think um, typically what they are doing is they are developing it. And this is not any great criticism, but it, it is typical of large institutions where they are doing one thing at a time. So rather than a complete digital transformation, they are say, experimenting with a website over here, and then they might be looking at email marketing over there, and they might be tipping the toe in their social media over somewhere else. So there's a lot of silos going on, and it's not really coming together in any cohesive way. I think part of the challenges for the financial sector is that they are dealing with large legacy systems of IT systems. And actually, it's quite difficult to get these new and interesting and much quicker technologies um, integrated with uh, these larger, uh, uh, you know, kind of legacy IT systems. So that there are some challenges on the technical side. I think there's also challenges on the on the marketing side, where uh, again I would say most of these large organisations have a traditional marketing background, and by that I mean they've come from a sort of mass marketing, uh, creative approach. Um, trying to reach a lot of people with the same message. And that's all changed now. Um, the way that um, uh, modern marketing goes, it's much more specific. It's narrow casting. It's trying to get to individuals. So it's much more about the data. It's much more about the analysis. So, so I mean, crudely, you could say it, it's kind of right hand, uh, the left hand brain, sort of the creative uh, mold of the, uh, the traditional marketer is perhaps not as appropriate for the modern day digital analytical marketer. Um, and I think that's a challenge for, for, for large companies as well. And, and they have to let go to, you know, they, they, um, they have to embrace that the fact that other people in the organization actually can contribute to the communication and marketing to consumers. Um, not using brand messaging, not using the latest corporate logo, um, because that's not what the consumer wants anymore. Let's just explore that a bit more, Richard. And, and this really brings us into today's conversation. Content marketing is probably a term that quite a lot of people don't understand. Yeah. And I think you've said that to me before, that one of the difficulties that you have as an independent consultant is actually just getting people to understand that basic fact. But let's just talk about then the difference between traditional marketing. Now, I call traditional marketing interruption marketing. And that's the sort of marketing where you get interrupted on TV. So you're watching Downton Abbey and all of a sudden there's an ad break and there's an advert for whatever it is, personal automatic, Aviva, whatever, or you're driving along and you see a billboard. That's an interruption marketing to a certain extent. You just have to make sure you don't take your eye off the road when you see the billboard and all sorts of other sorts of marketing interrupt the flow. Let's move on and think about content marketing because that's completely different, isn't it? That doesn't operate to the same degree of interruption into our daily lives because what we're finding is that people are going looking for answers and that's the that's where content marketing starts isn't yes it? i i think that's actually bang on and i do think there's a there's almost just a, a little explanation before that so why has this come about why has content marketing come about and the reason is that the way that we all buy products goods and services has changed forever we no longer as you say um look at a tv uh, advert and say aha that's what i want to uh, think like or that's what i'm going to believe what we do now is we go and research the marketplace before 
we decide on how our purchase decision. And in fact, there's a mantra being used by lots of businesses now, which is third parties first, vendor last. And that means that the consumer will go away and research and they'll research using Google, they'll research using price comparison websites, they'll research by going to their network. It might be their own social network of friends, it might be a sort of more abstract network of people who share the same interests, but they will go to those networks and they will then um, make their own decision before they actually narrow it down to the one or two companies that they might choose to buy. So then they eventually get to the vendor's website and, set, and, and find out what the vendor has to say about it. So that's a huge uh, uh, shift. So the days of saying, well, as long as I get my website optimized to rank first in Google is no longer relevant because people are doing so much more research and looking into products, goods and services before they even get anywhere near the website. So that's why um, that, that purchasing behavior has changed. We now need to market to those people in a very different way. And that's why content marketing has come along, which is basically trying to get to people in that research phase before they get to the website. So that means that you have to understand what are the needs and the concerns and the issues that are facing the consumer. What's the thing that, what are the criteria they're going to make their decisions on? And where are they going to look to research that criteria? So content marketing is about making sure that A, you answer those needs and concerns and B, you get that content into their kind of area of interest way before they get to the website. If we explore that a little bit more and, and try to apply it to the financial services industry, so somebody's starting to think, I need to buy a life assurance policy. Perhaps 10 years ago, when the internet was at a much earlier stage, they may have gone in and they may have known that there's companies out there like Aviva and Scottish Provident and AXA, and they would have typed in the names of those companies yeah. and those companies would have come up in Google search. Today, they're probably more likely to type in something like, What's the best deal I can get on life assurance in the UK? Absolutely. Or even more, what's the best deal I can get on life assurance in Edinburgh? Yeah. And what will show up in Google is content that's been produced by Edinburgh financial advisors or Edinburgh financial services companies that specifically answer that question, as opposed to in the past just having a, a bland website which just says, we are selling life cover. It's almost like the content has to answer those specific questions. And, and I think as the consumer is getting much more savvy about how to use Google, they are doing that. Their searches are getting very specific. And therefore, you have to generate content, if you're smart, you generate content that is actually going to try and be specifically answer that concern. And if you get that right, then, then you're at least starting on the journey. Because I think the other mistake is that people then say, well, content, good, I've, I've understood that. Now I'm just going to put some sales stuff out there and say, right, come and get us. We've got a deal on. And again, the consumer is too savvy for that. They want to do the research. They need to be persuaded. They need to be taken on a journey through the sales funnel. And a number of things need to happen before they're going to press the button about making that sale. Yeah, I think I, I find I do it myself, Richard. You know, for example, uh, let's say I fancy a really good chicken dinner. So if I type in chicken into Google, I'll get 10 million, million, billion responses. Yeah. So I'm going to narrow it down a lot more. So I'm going to say, what are good chicken restaurants in Scotland? Well, that'll be too many yeah. because loads of them. Nando's are probably the top. <laughs> so I would narrow it down even more. Tell me what the best chicken restaurants are in Edinburgh. And even that might be too many. Yeah. So I'll then say, 
show me the best chicken restaurants in the south of Edinburgh or in Morningside or Kostorfin. Yeah. And finally, I will narrow it down. And if a restaurant is savvy enough, their website will effectively be the one that shows up in search. Yeah. Yeah. So it actually sounds like one hell of a lot of work, Richard. Okay. So so the way to deal with that, because you, you're right, you can't cater for every single individual. So um, the concept of personas um, has been developed. And personas are based on, if you like, your ideal customer. So, um, and there will be a number of them because for every business, there will be a number of different business types, whether it's financial services or whether it's, um, you know, selling cars, there will be different personas who have different needs and they will have different motivations. So, so the, the trick there is to try and um, understand what those personas look like based on your existing customer base. So a little bit of analysis, uh, going back to the analytical part of, you know, how, who are your good customers? What are the things that they do? What are the products they buy? What triggers them? And then drawing up a, a kind of picture of what that persona might look like if you were to extend it. And so where do they go for their information? You know, do um, do they still use traditional kind of um, um, uh, associations? Do they, you know, you go to their local association um, rather than Nestle doing everything online? Do they still trust and trade magazines? And those are the sorts of things you have to understand. And once you've understand where they go for the information that they need, then that's beginning to target. You can say, right, well, okay, if I'm going to get content, I know that's the sort of place they go. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is to try and understand what are their motivations? What are the things that bother them? What are the things that keep them awake at night? You know, what are the, what are the things that are, are preventing them making a decision or the things that will help them make a decision? And if you understand those, then again, you will then start to say, okay, we need to aim content um, that specifically answers those needs. So again, from a marketing point of view, you're not trying to, um, uh, it's coming somewhere in between the, the two extremes. You're not just trying to give a bland overall brand answer. We do this. But at the same time, you're not trying to answer everybody's single uh, query. You're actually trying to bring them together in groups. And one of, one of the case studies that I was involved in uh, fairly recently was for a new company that was selling in a paid debit card. So it's a way of um, giving money to people but controlling it. So in okay. other words, you get a paid debit card um, the company can load the card and the person who's got the debit card can spend it and they can use it in, uh, as a normal debit card or they can get cash out of it. But once the money's gone, there's nothing else there. So one of the personas we were targeting are small businesses because small businesses worry about the expenses that their sales guys uh, run up. And what, a, what a, a small businessman doesn't want is a surprise at the end of the month. He thinks he's done all right, the sales have come in, and then he suddenly gets banged with a huge expenses bill from his 10 salesmen. Now, here's an opportunity for him to control that. So there's a small business type persona. So the content that we are targeting there is about how to control your expenses. So that's one persona. But then for a much larger organization, they see this actually as a money-making opportunity because there's commission based on this. So that actually they distribute the cards to a much wider range of people, then actually they can make money out of it. So the message is completely different for the larger organization. So it's trying to understand, um, you know, uh, all those different personas and then looking at where they um, go for their content and then generating content that specifically speaks to those personas. 
that's very interesting, Richard, and, and it reminds me of all of those days in the in the insurance companies in the past where we've sat in meetings coming up with marketing plans and somebody will say to them, ask the question, who is our customer? Mm-hmm. And it was so broad. We'll say, oh, anybody between the age of 25 and 60, male or female, mm-hmm. who's got a mortgage? Oh, well, pretty much everybody then. Yeah. And, and that's not specific enough. I mean, even thinking about this podcast, you know, the persona that I'm looking at is predominantly one of the personas is the financial advisor persona is a financial advisor running his own business. He might have some employees. It might just be a one man band. He's focusing most of his time on giving financial advice and he's not perhaps a marketing expert or a, a business development expert. And he hasn't really got time or the money to employ somebody to do that. So the questions that I'm answering on the podcast, some of the questions that we're answering today about content marketing, are trying to tap into the needs of that particular persona. Yeah. So it really is just drilling down and finding. You almost you. It's it's almost like an avatar, isn't it? You've got a picture in your mind of the sort of person that you're targeting your content. Absolutely, to. and actually that becomes quite powerful when you take that into the organisation. Because if people have a very clear understanding of the different personas, then they start thinking in that sort of mindset. So, you know, they would suddenly say, like the avatar example, okay, we want, we know what this messaging is about because we know we're really are beginning to understand what that persona is, his needs, his motivations, or, or where he or she looks for the information. And it becomes much easier to start generating content because everyone is in that mindset. And that doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. But if you can get to that point, then it becomes much, much easier. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a great exercise I do with some people um, um, when, you, when you're running a little workshop and uh, and people say, well, I don't know about content. And what you do is you give them a, a, a story and you say, right, I want you to all come up with a headline for the story. But I want you to come up with a headline that the Telegraph would use, you to come up with the one the Sun would use. And of course, it's incredible how good people are at doing it mm-hmm. because they, they understand what the Sun would say, they understand what the Guardian would say, they understand what the Times would say, and and they they're all really good at it. And yes. it's just that that switching that mindset to say you have to put you in the in the in the mindset of of some your target audience. So you're targeting Sun readers. What's the headline going to be? And and they'll do it. They'll do it really well. That's that's really interesting. And again, what you've done there is you've created a proxy for a persona yeah. using a newspaper. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. That's great. And what is the sort of content do you think that we should be producing then, Richard? Now, again, I'm a great big fan of podcasting, as you would expect. Sure. Uh, but a lot of people use video. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people are using just blog articles yeah. or a combination of the two, downloading white papers. Yeah. Again, I suppose it depends upon the individual. But what 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 are the trends that you've been seeing I think I think um, because you don't expect somebody when they first come across some information that you generated for them to make their decision there and then they tend to go on a journey and they will actually consume different bits of content as they go down that journey. So at the start, it may be a general blog piece that answers a particular issue, you know, surrounding protection insurance. It's a general one. And they get, that's a bit more interesting. I want to find out a little bit more. So they'll narrow it down. So the next time they say, well, I want a bit more information. So I want something more specific than a blog. And um, there's a, there's quite a good ebook out there. Okay. I'm going to go and download that ebook because that gives me a bit more step by step. Okay. I'm really still quite interested in this. That company's running a webinar. Now that's somebody, you know, that's a live interactive session or it's just a recording of an industry expert talking or videoing. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sign up for that. 
Um, so actually, I think there are different things at different uh, stages. And you're quite right. It does depend on the sector. So some of the research I did into the tech sector in the States, what's really working for them is video more than anything else. Mm -hmm. So they're saying, well, social media is okay, but actually, if you really want to make an impact, get a good video. And that's the sort of the response rates they're getting to video is the best. But for other sectors, you know, it may be, it may be something else. So I think, I don't think there's a, there's a, a kind of a panacea for everything. I think you actually do have to do a bit of everything. And you have to do a bit of everything as much as everything else because, um, uh, you know, the way to get access to all this content now, it could be through social media, it could be through a website, it could be through a blog, you know, so you actually have to play the field anyway. And of course, one of the beauties of um, all of these different types of content is that you can effectively write, for example, the script, which might be the answer to one of those questions that we were talking about earlier on. So where's the best um, value life insurance in Edinburgh? Mm -hmm. If you wrote a blog post about that, or even better, you recorded a mm -hmm. podcast on that, a, a, a five minute podcast, you could get somebody to transcribe that. Yeah. And that immediately becomes a blog post. If you actually videoed it as you were speaking it, you've then got a video and yeah, an audio. Yeah, it could become an ebook. It, become, it could become a, so, yeah. so it's not just saying I've got all of these things to do and it's going to take me ages. If you get them in the right order and get somebody to help you, you can create lots of different elements of content from answering exactly the same question. Absolutely right. You can, what, what we call repurposing content because yeah. you can you can cut it so many different ways. And one of the great tools I've often found through content marketing is, is commissioning some research. So if you commission a little bit of research, you A, own the content, which is an important part of it's yours. So you've commissioned that research. You can cut research so many mm -hmm. ways. You know, you can have a series of, of, of articles. You can have a, an infographic. You could have, you know, a video. You could have um, a, a series of tweets or social, you know, social bites all about it and leading up to it. Um, and, and it's your content, which is the beauty. A lot of people, for expediency's sake, will, um, you know, kind of repurpose other people's content or retweet their content or like somebody else's content you've still got to do that but actually generating your own content where you move to becoming the authority in that area is really important because that's persuasive you know if you're actually seen to be the industry expert on you know protection insurance then uh, people will then start looking for you it's a bit like you're saying people are now coming to you because they want to be on your podcast mm -hmm. you've got to the stage now where it's become popular enough and authoritative that people want to then become part of it now if you can get you can do the same in in any form of content marketing then you're really beginning to make it work for you one of the things you said earlier richard of course was that a company which is a more traditional marketer would also be very um, used to being in control of all of the content. And I think that today with content marketing, you can actually involve people from across the whole organization. Now, obviously, if you're a one-man band, it's just you. But if you've got employees who are talking to your customers all the time, they are actually a great source of content because they are the ones who are on the phone. They're the ones who are talking to your customers, listening to your customers, and finding out what they're problems are and what solutions you could give. So if we're talking about a, a financial advisor firm or a product provider that's looking to up its game in content marketing, Richard, what would you say the first few steps they would need to take would be? I think you've actually hit it in the head there. It's what I call the listening phase. It's actually 
listening to what's being said out there and actually trying to understand what the issues are. So, I mean, you could argue this is old-fashioned marketing. You're trying to understand what the consumer wants and then give it to them. But I think, you know, too many companies have moved away from that and they're saying this is what we want the consumer to think. But you're absolutely right. Start by listening. You can do, as you quite rightly say, using your um, existing employees. They, they are the people who are listening to the customer on a daily basis. Now, marketing never does that. They might can't because it's doing other things, but they, they're actually listening to the problems that are being presented to them on a daily basis, you know, whatever that is. And, and we need a way of capturing that and feeding it back so that people understand, hey guys, this is what's being said. So I think, you know, on a straightforward, just recording what people are saying, um, is, 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 is one thing. But using kind of digital technology, the other thing to do is um, there are lots of tools out there, but you can actually go and listen to the conversations that are being used on social media. So you can narrow it down and you'd say, right, well, let's, let's look at something that is, say, pricing and protection insurance is an issue. You would key that in and you could then see um, A, what the topics are that are people are, you know, blogging about or doing. And importantly, Who's, who's having those conversations, who's generating the, that content, and who's listening to that content. So there's two things you find out. Find out what your competitors are saying, but also you find out where some of the influencers are actually going um, and who those influencers are. I mean, you know, you can track it and you can start um, looking at all those conversations. So I think the listening phase is really important just to get a feel for what the topics are. Because it might be a surprise to you. You might find, God, everyone's talking about something that we're not talking about. We're not hitting the mark here. So so I think that's important from that point of view. Mm -hmm. And the second stage then would be to start producing the content itself. Yeah. And that could just be, what are the 25 questions that get asked the most by your customers? Absolutely. And again, it could be, uh, does life assurance really ever pay out? Does critical illness cover involve uh, too much medical evidence, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. And again, it could be a blog, it could be a video, it yeah. could be an audio, it could be any number of things. An infographic is another one you've mentioned there before. Yeah. And I think one of the, you know, one of the things again we said before. Initially, this might feel like an extremely daunting thing to try to do. And the second objection that people often say to me is, we've got no ability to afford all of this. Yeah. And I think there is a misconception that it needs to be expensive. Yeah. Now, 10 years ago, to, to produce a video, you probably would have hired a fairly sizable film crew yeah. and you would have uh, it would have had to have gone away for editing and you'd have probably had to stick it on a DVD and send the DVD out by post of course now if you really wanted to and I know some people do do this they'll phone, film it on an iPhone and they'll stick some titles at the beginning and they'll stick some titles at the end now that's not a BBC production but if somebody's consuming content on YouTube, they're probably not as concerned about absolute broadcast quality as they might have been 10 years ago. Yeah, that reminds uh, me of a conversation that you and I had uh, a few years ago, Roger, about what we wanted to do was listen to the issues that the customer was having in the morning, film a response at lunchtime, broadcast it in the afternoon, and then measure the results in the evening. And I think that's um, we never quite got there, but but that answers the question of it's not about high production values that may take a week to do. It's about getting an immediate response into it as to what the issues that the the customer is interested in. So actually, uh, you know, a slightly handheld um, uh, iPhone uh, video recording 
if it answers the question immediately, is of more value to the customer in helping them make a decision than actually something that's beautifully produced that comes two days later. Indeed. So. And, and you can see these on the internet. Again, quite a lot of American um, marketeers do this sort of video all the time. There's a guy called Jay Bear. Mm-hmm. He does a, a daily three-minute video. It's called Jay Today. Mm-hmm. And he literally puts his iPhone on a little tripod and answers the question of the day yeah. that a customer's asked him. Yeah. And he's getting hundreds and hundreds of hits on yeah. his YouTube video. Yeah. Now, again, it's time-consuming. Even producing a three-minute video is going to need a bit of editing and a bit messing around. So with busy people, especially the, the advisor who perhaps hasn't got that many staff, how do we make time to do this sort of stuff? Okay, I do think this is this is a genuine concern. I, I don't think the cost of entry in terms of technology is any is, is any more an issue. I think you know the cost of, of marketing automation tools or um, or you know doing videos yourself is no longer the issues. But you do need to dedicate some time to generating content, okay? Because only you will know how to respond. Uh, in the language that the customer will understand and you will understand what their issues are. So I think you do have to dedicate some time to do that. And that possibly requires a bit of discipline. Um, I mean, as much as anything else, um, if you're involved in social media, um, you know, you have to try and look for some level of engagement any form of engagement because engagement takes them down the sales funnel to eventually hopefully making a decision to, to make a purchase from you. And in, in, in order to do that engagement, you actually do have to look at, you know, make some time to respond to people and uh, and look at, uh, you know, what people are saying out there, whether it's in social media, whether it's responding to a blog or a LinkedIn post or whatever it is. So, yeah, I, I'm not saying um, it's all roses. You do have to dedicate some time to social media and content marketing if it's going to be effective for you. Once we've, uh, we've put some of this content up, obviously, we want people to consume it. But ultimately, we want people to buy from us. Yeah. Or if you're a financial advisor, you want people to book an appointment yeah. to come in so yeah. that you can have a look at their finances and make some recommendations. If you're a product provider, you want people to, if you're a direct-to-consumer, you want them to buy directly from you. If, if, if you're a company that works with financial advisors, you're going to want that person to go along to the financial advisor saying, I'm quite interested in this company. What do you think? How do we build in these calls to action yeah. into the content, which puts people into that sales funnel. One of the things I think you have to think about is what's known as a user journey or a customer user journey. And that is what path will they take typically? What is their decision-making process? What are the steps along the way that they will take in order to get to a to through to the making the purchase and, and and of course what I will always say is you always have to have that shortcut button that says make an appointment now throughout because some people will be ready to make that decision they've done all the research they just want to have an interview or they want to have a uh, an appointment you've always got to have that but for other people they will go through steps in the journey so as you said everything has to have a call to action it's not just um, look at the video and switch it off at the end of the video there is um, you know, if uh, if you like this, then you may like this. Or if they've opened up an email um, then and, and, and downloaded some content, then immediately you need to go back and say, well, if you like this, then here's something you also might be interested in. And of course, that's not interruption marketing as, as, as we, uh, you, know, you outlined at the very outset. That is being helpful. 
somebody has just consumed some content that they're interested in and you're coming back and you know saying well here's something else you might be interested in so the customer saying that's not interrupting that's interesting because they've understood what i've been interested in and they're giving me more fascinating richard um, I could talk to you about content marketing all day, uh, but we are sort of coming towards the end of our time. So to really to summarize th- at a very high level, in a very basic way, content marketing is first of all about identifying a persona of one or two ideal client types, creating an avatar of that person, and then listening to what those avatars, what those personas are saying, what questions they're asking, what information they want, and then responding by producing content for them. And that content could be written blogs, could be videos, it could be podcasts, infographics. We've named quite a few of these things. And then finally, there will be some call to action at the end of each of these pieces of content, which will hopefully trigger a response from the customer, which could be an appointment with a financial advisor or hopefully, an ongoing business relationship. Anything else that I've missed from that? The only thing I would say is that the model doesn't stop there once they become a customer. There's the whole next stage of actually they become advocates. So in other words, they start talking up what you've done for them. So in other words, they become a salesman on your behalf. So actually, it is about finding the prospect at the first at the very outset but not stopping as soon as they've signed up it's keeping in touch with them still communicating with them getting more sales out of them and actually making them feel so good about your business they start recommending you to others so actually that that's the final stage of, of a really good content marketing strategy is when they've become um, a customer advocate for you Richard, it's been fascinating to talk to you about um, content marketing this morning. I've enjoyed it. Good, good. Before we go, I always like to finish the Empath podcast with a quick fire round of business questions. So you're happy to stay for a few more moments for that? Of course. Excellent. If there was one thing that you could change about the financial services industry, perhaps by waving the magic wand, what would it be? Well, sticking with my area um, of of, um, kind of digital marketing, and we touched on it earlier, some of the frustrations that... um, uh, because you've got large IT legacy systems, it's sometimes very difficult to get some of these digital initiatives working. So what I'd like to do would be to create a fast track service. And, and there have been some businesses that have done this where things that are of interest to the executive can be piloted out with the main business. So you'd actually use an external agency and you'd pilot a particular thing of interest. It might be um, as, as we did a content marketing strategy, but don't try and do it within the existing infrastructure because it will take forever and you'll get lots of problems and blockages. If you then take it ex- and you can prove it and demonstrate it, then it can be planned for the following year to be integrated into the full system. So I'd, I'd advocate a fast track system for piloting digital projects out with the main infrastructure. Wholeheartedly support that. <laughs> We actually had a, the last podcast, we were talking about nurturing and incubating. Yeah. And a lot of technology companies are very good at that. But in financial services, we are bogged down with these legacy systems. And as you say, you can't wait 18 months to get this stuff done. You just need to do it really quickly. Richard, if there was one business model, product or campaign that's caught your attention in the last year, even if it was from a competitor, tell us what it was and what you liked about it. 
<laughs> yeah, I think it's just because it's topical. I kind of like Boiler Juice as a model. And I don't know if anybody knows Boiler Juice. Boiler Juice is basically a website that works out the best price of oil for your domestic uh, requirements <laughs> in your area. They're saving me money. That's good. It's really easy to use. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's a bit, it's a bit, bit, <laughs> bit personal, but I really like boiler juice. And it's because you live so far out in the sticks, <laughs> Richard, right. as well. That's, That's right. right. Correct. Let's be honest about Gas it. Gas will never come to Gifford, <laughs> yeah. Tell us about an app or a gadget that's made a huge difference to your life and or your business. I mean, I'm a great fan of Spotify because I think that's a great way to listen to music these days. Evernote because it keeps me uh, um, kind of, you know, in tune with what I'm supposed to be doing and it synchronizes with everything. But actually, um, one that m people may not have heard of is called Flipboard. And Flipboard is a kind of news digest but you tailor it to the news that you're interested in. So for instance, I'm very interested in content marketing and technology, so therefore I can tailor Flipboard um, to those particular topics. And then you go on to whether it's an iPad or your phone or on, the, on your PC, and it's a really nice interface of just flicking through stories that are to do with your topic. You know, they've been trolled from the internet um, through by Flipboard, and then what something catches your eye, then you can then read it in detail. And at that point, if it's really interesting and it's relevant to you, you can then like it, or you could forward it, or you could put, post it to your LinkedIn groups, or you could tweet about it. So from, um, we talked about earlier about people, you know, having to engage and having to find time to do that. They're making it so easy for it to do that. And the other thing is, it might well inspire the content that you need. You might then say, that's interesting, but I would quite like to write about this aspect, a blog, for instance, that's been triggered by looking at. It's a daily thing. You can spend five minutes just flicking through and you've got a spare five minutes. And I found it invaluable for just stimulating ideas and, you know, retweeting things that will keep the content on my website and my profile going. And finally, Richard, what's the best business book you've ever read? Tell us why you like it so much and what you took from it. I, it's probably a bit of a cliche, but it is Seth Godin's uh, Permission Marketing book, which was really the kind of starting point for this conversation and, and content marketing. Um, Seth just writes and still does and blogs and tweets in a really down-to-earth, understandable way. Uh, he just is a very good communicator. It's not a big book. It's a nice little book that you can read and it just talks about the way that everyone's changed, the way that we've all changed, the way that we buy, and the fact that it's no longer um, about interruption marketing. It's about um, giving the business the right to market to the consumer. And before we go, Richard, tell everyone how they can contact with you on Twitter or LinkedIn, Google Plus, or anywhere you like. Uh, Twitter's probably the best because I've got a nice easy handle. It's at WRPT. I'll put that up on the show notes, which is at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash empath, and also include links on the show notes pages to some of the items and the apps and the books that we've discussed today. Richard, it's been great to talk to you about content marketing. Let me wish you every success and let's catch up again soon. Thank you, Roger. I've enjoyed it. listening to the marketing protection and finance podcast do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash mpaf for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed if you enjoyed the show please leave a review on itunes simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash itunes and leave a review 
If you are a provider or advisor or journalist and you have a product, campaign or business model you'd like to talk about, please get in touch. You could be the next guest on the show. And do remember, nothing we talk about on the show is financial advice of any kind. It's all just thoughts and opinions, okay? Responding that to that specific, specific, I shouldn't have picked a word that was going to be unpronounceable, <laughs> is going to have to respond to that specificity. I think, I think we'll have to um, just take a breath there. <laughs> Specificity. Specificity, yeah.